Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Hi. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God's good. It's great to be here. Let's thank Jesus, too. He's in the house. Wow, Jesus, you're so good. Well, it's great to be here. California, wow. Came from Idaho. Bringing the anointing down here to California for you. We're delighted to be here, my wife Connie and I. and We've come uh, not just to speak here, but to visit our, our family, Mark and Rochelle. Um, and two granddaughters. Yay. So it's, it's, it's great being here. Connie hasn't been here since before COVID hit. Yeah. Um, we, I came down last year, but she hasn't been able to come down. Uh, we had her mother, who was 101 years old, living with us. Yeah. And she just recently, a couple months ago, passed away. Uh, but uh, So one of us always had to be there. So... But uh, Connie's here in the house right now. Connie, would you stand? So now you know who Rochelle looks like. Not me. Her beautiful mom. And uh, we're just, uh, you know, we sent our very best with Mark and Rochelle. So you better take care of them or you're in trouble. Um, You you may not know, Rochelle is an amazing prayer warrior. Um, If you want something prayed through, just give it to Rochelle. In fact, our whole family, when when there's a need for prayer, Tracy, Chris, or whoever, call Rochelle. Get her in on it. And uh, we just appreciate them. And Mark, I think it was the other way around, though, in the video. I think we did Mark a favor. <laughs> but we love Mark and Rochelle. They're, they're, they're great. And you are blessed. Uh, Mark is a revivalist. Uh, they're both evangelists and prayer people. And that's what you want. That's what you want in a church. So... Praise God. Yes. Well, um, you know, we go, to, we, we go to movies and we, you know, we don't really, because there's a lot of stuff in movies you would censor probably if you knew what was in it. PG and, and there goes my notes. <laughs> and uh, R and everything else. Is they flying away? Yeah. Um, I may have a... An R-rated movie message for you. At least the first part. Uh, I'm going to... It's not like what you think. Uh, But there will be some things that will kind of shake you because you probably never heard this before. So I'm going to... I'm going to talk about that in a few minutes. You know, you are... You were in California, which is the 10th largest economy in the world. Did you know that? I mean, we're, we're talking about countries. 
And uh, you have the largest population in, of states. Right. You have 53 electoral votes. Yeah. Uh, California was actually settled by missionaries. And uh, you actually have, I, I hope it's still there, states are changing, but every state has two, two statues in the capital. One of yours is a missionary. Right, yes. Um, there's only one state that has two missionaries in Washington, D.C. It's interesting because it's the state of Washington. Mm. They have two missionaries as they're in, in Washington, D.C. in the capital. And it's interesting because you might think that Washington, Oregon, and California aren't too, quote-unquote, religious or spiritual, but Washington is, is the most, it's the, how do, how do I say this? When it comes to uh, uh, volunteering for missionary and spiritual work, Washington has the highest per capita in the, in the nation. And they start out with missionaries, but you start out with missionaries. You have 21 missions scattered along the coastline. Started from 1869, excuse me, 1769 to 1833, yes. and uh, that's—it's just a powerful thing. And when I was here last time, I preached on planting the seeds or yes. planting the heavens, and yes. the seeds that you speak are, are important. Do you guys really know what you sang this morning? Yes. You guys just kind of sing things, but do you know what you're doing when you're singing? You're decreeing and declaring, yes. and you're planting the heavens. And so I want you to continue to believe that, uh, stand on that, and do that, um, because it's, it's very important. You also sang about revival. Yeah. Let it break out. Let it change us. Are you sure you know what you're, you're saying when you say that? Well, after I get done today, you may not want that. But, but I believe that California is a, is a state that needs God, wants God. I have a question. I just thought of this. How many of you are California natives? You've this. You're lift your hand. Be proud. Wow! Look at that. Okay. How many of you moved to California from someplace else? Oh man, it's almost fifty-fifty. I think there's a few more California natives. Well, congratulations, and thanks so much for sending Californians to Idaho, and thanks for causing our land values to go up. I mean, I think half our congregation is Californians now. It is amazing. You're populating the world. And uh, so, but I believe that God wants to come to California in a new way. Let me just say this, because I'm going to get into this in just a minute. Do you know that since 1900, every major revival uh, actually started, except the one I'm going to talk to you this morning about, but actually started in California? Every move of the Spirit has had some kind of roots here. It may not have started originally, but it had roots here that just... Uh, and I believe God wants to do it again. Do you, do you sing the... Do you sing the song, Do It Again? Oh, come on. You don't sing the song, Do It Again? Melanie, do you sing the song, Do It Again? Okay, next Sunday, you better sing it. I'm going to be watching Oh, man, you got to sing the song, Do It Again. Uh, it's a great, great song. I'll give you all the information. So, 
I, I believe God is after something in California. It's a, it's a golden state. It's a, it's a state that, uh, that I believe there's going to be a move of God that we will look and say, look what God has done. Okay? But let's pray. Father, we're just believing this morning for divine impartation. We believe for anointing that would take the words that we speak today and would use them to change our, our, our minds, change our hearts, give us new direction, new focus. And we just ask that in Jesus' name, the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon all of us this, this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to welcome all those online, too. God bless you. Thanks for coming. And uh, it's, isn't it great you can go online and, and, and see all these? It's, it's just an amazing gift. It really, it really perpetuated through COVID, too. Is it not amazing what we've gone through in the last two years? It's bizarre. It's crazy. And in many ways... Um, there have been much that has rushed the church that's pushed us into a corner. And we're seeing things we've never seen before. I was raised in the 50s and the 60s. I never thought that I'd see things like I'm seeing now. And uh, my, my background is, is teaching, education, history. History, I helped start Christian schools. I taught public and private school. Uh, my background is American government, U.S. history. Let me say this. If you don't know your history, you won't be able to get to your destiny. You've got to know your history. And that's why I'm going to talk. Whenever I, I speak, I have to bring history into it. Some kind of history that would, that would kind of bring context to us. So the church is a, is a, is a place of divine history. I'm going to give you some of that this morning so you can, you can understand who you are and where you're going. Because you, you have a destiny and legacy that God wants to give you. And if you just kind of, you know, milling around, uh, God's not going to give it to you. So I, I want to talk about the bizarre nature that we're in right now. From, from just um, government to politics to business to all the junk that's happening. Now, I know the Constitution. Frankly, everything that's going on in Washington is unconstitutional. I'm just, now, I'm not being political. I think, I think both parties need to have a revival. I think no, most, both parties need to have a coming to Jesus moment. And I've actually told them that. Because I have relationships with uh, many of the leaders. We had our prayer center that we would go into their offices and pray with them. Asking God to move on. I never had one time that a congressman or senator wouldn't pray with me. Would say no. I had some that didn't like it to begin with, but, but by the time we got done, they were crying. They were, it was, it's amazing when you take the Holy Spirit into offices, what God does. And, you know, I think, I think you need to be more bold in who you are as a believer. Don't, don't shy back. Don't become ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people want what we have. So give it to him. Yeah, I remember going into offices, and I remember one time I knew this guy, and he wasn't a nice guy. I mean, I, I said, I don't want to go in there. But God said, no, you're going to go in there. So I took about 25, uh, you know, prayer people with me. We went in there, and sure enough, 
He said, well, what are you here for? He says, well, we're just here to pray for you and encourage you. He says, oh, yeah, sure. I thought, wow, that started great. But then we, we, we continued, and, and by the time we, we said, uh, after we, we talked to him for a little while and encouraged him, we prayed for him. And he had tears coming down his eyes. And then he said, Pastor, you probably don't know that I went to Wheaton Bible College, or Wheaton College, which is Billy Graham's college, Wheaton College, and I was studying to be a medical missionary. Well, I knew, prophetically, I knew instantly what had happened. He, he had gotten hurt in the church or something had happened. He would walked away from God. He still does medical uh, missions over for, for himself, but, but he softened, and then he didn't want us to go. Can you stay a little longer? You know, do you have to stay? And then he followed us out in the hallway. You know, I'm going, uh, sir, we got to get out of here, you know. But, uh, but that is the attractiveness of God. God's attractive. You see, everyone's made to love God. Everyone's made. that There's this thing in us that we that we're made to engage God, to love God, to, be, to experience God, all that, that's, that's in us. And when we, when we bring that, that, that's what would happen in Washington, D.C., we bring the glory in and all of a sudden everything changed. I mean, I can tell you, I could t- keep you here for a couple hours just telling you the stories that, that rocked, uh, rocked them. And I'm, I'm, I'm here today to say that I believe God wants to come to the church once again to rock all of us so we can rock the rest of the world. Now, because it's so bizarre, there's so much going on, not just politically, but economically. And I mean, I, if you just make me president for a day, I could change it all. I'm serious. No. Uh, if, if, just listen to my radio program. That will, that will help a little bit. But um, Anyway, I'm, I, want to, I want to talk about the bizarreness, and I want to relate it to a season that happened many, a few centuries ago. This is where the censoring may have to come in. There's a book by uh, Thomas Cahill called How the Irish Saved Civilization. It's a poetic history of how St. Patrick and Irish monks transformed medieval Ireland and rescued literature during the Middle Ages and actually evangelized Ireland so it would become Christian. Now, frankly, that's kind of our roots and our source. It reveals... In this book, the stark contrast between the biblical culture and a satanically controlled one. The reason why I'm bringing it up is I believe we've kind of morphed into the satanically controlled culture. Primitive Ireland was actually filled with witches, wizards, sexual filth, human sacrifice, and hideous aspects of depravity because Satan dominated the levers of culture. Life was ugly vicious and lewd kind of sounds like our culture now there's they're talking about things that oh come on anyway but i can't get into that well gregory boyd said it this way he says the world is a spiritual battle zone which is why it looks the way it is now here's where i may have to have the censoring i'm gonna take one paragraph out of a three-page If you want to read the rest, you can go to his book. The Irish, like all the Celts, stripped before battle and rushed their enemies naked. The Romans 
in their first encounters with these exposed warriors, were shocked and frightened. Not only were the men naked, they howled. It seemed possessed by demons. So outrageous were their strength and their verse. The Irish heroes were aware they became possessed when confronted by the enemy, and their appearances would alter considerably, and they called this phenomenon the warp spasm. This is how it appears. The warp spasm seized a man and made him into a monstrous thing, hideous and shapeless. His shanks and his joints, every knuckle and angle and organ from head to foot, shook like a tree in the flood or reed in a stream. His body made a serious twist inside his skin. His face and features became a red bowl, his mouth weirdly distorted. His cheek peeled back from his jaws until the gullet appeared. His lungs and liver flapped in his mouth and throat. His lower jaw struck the upper, a lion-killing blow. And in this great carnage, he would slay 130 kings as well as an uncountable horde of dogs and horses, women, boys, children, etc. I could go on. It was a hideous, satanic, demon-possessed army of hordes. It's kind of like we're seeing today. What you see around us is demonic. No wonder the Roman Empire fell. Demonic hordes overran it. But not in post-5th century Ireland, where St. Patrick and his successors shined the light of Jesus Christ into enough human hearts to transform this island nation with truth and goodness. He was an evangelist that changed the nation. Eventually, Europe became light-filled with a biblically-based civilization, Renaissance and then Reformation, which gave rise to the United States of America. Only, listen to me carefully, and I I can document everything I'm telling you, I can document. Only the second nation in history to be founded on God. Now, Israel's the first, America's the second. Don't let any of the useful idiots tell you otherwise. I know my history. And I'm telling you that America was founded on God. The original documents tell us this. And it's fascinating to see how now the devil wants to claim America. And today, the devil has kind of taken his mask off in the West and in America and is beginning to howl. He's showing the West his true nature. He's showing America his true nature. He is what I call a destroyer. Everything demonic is always destruction. When anybody does destruction, I don't care if it's rioting, I don't care what it is, if it's destruction, it's demonic. And so we see this. He's taken off his mask. Jesus explained it quite easily. He said, John 10.10, he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. We serve a God of abundance and life. And that's what we bring as believers. Now, in Revelation 9-11, it talks about this, this satanic demon. He's called, in the Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, he's called Abaddon, which is destroyer. In the Greek, which is the New Testament, 
He's called Apollyon, which is destroyer. That's who Satan is. Satan is a raging destroyer of people and nations. And he will do everything he can to destroy. And right now, he is demonically inspiring government, business, education. You go down the list to destroy people. That's why God has to come back and bring life. The devil's new audacity accelerates, and he has accelerated the moral downslide of America. I can't believe what has happened in the last two years. And what happens after destruction and what's going in a nation? Oh, now hear me out. What happens after this kind of demonic influence in any nation? It's always followed up by authoritarianism. Always. You can call it Marxism, socialism, whatever you want to call it. I don't call it, I, I, it's just demonic destruction. Right. It's always followed it. Yes. And people will come into office to actually control. Yes. They're only there to control. Right. Here's, what, here's what our founding fathers said. Our founding fathers wanted public servants in office. Right. Did you hear what I said? Yes. Servants. What does that mean? They serve the people, of the people, by the people, for the people. All, so many in office have, have, they don't get it. I feel like we need to take and go into these offices and lay hands on them in one way or another. Lay hands on them. And pray the devil out and God in. Here's one way a uh, a famous person in America put it. He says, politics is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from the church. I think we need revival. Now, this is all just my beginning, my opening. Now, a few weeks ago, a few, actually a couple of months ago, we celebrated Easter. I call it Resurrection Sunday because what Resurrection Sunday is, it's a celebration of the initiation of God's rescue program. God has a rescue program for us, the church. Jesus came, the Bible says, to seek and save the lost. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. On and on. You can see this in Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. He came to destroy the destroyer. He came to destroy the works of the evil one. The works of the evil one. And so he asks us as the church to preach the kingdom of God. He came to redeem us, not just to save us so we can go to heaven. Now, unfortunately, most churches don't preach good, good uh, end time events very well at all. The eschatology of most churches is just get us out of here, God. No, God says we're to occupy till he comes. In fact, the Bible says he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. What's he going to do with the new earth? He's going to connect them. And most of you, most of us, we will be assigned to the earth. I don't want to get, I don't want to, I don't want to flame you out here. But most of us don't, don't understand that it isn't about just getting saved. Right. See, sa- salvation is just the entrance to the kingdom of God. 
And you were here as you're a kingdom of God uh, citizen who God wants to help reclaim and rescue the earth. Now, all of those in office, and they're trying to do it their way. If we did it God's way, it would get done quick and fast and right. Now, so he puts us on a path of reclaiming and building. It says in uh, Matthew chapter 16 to 18, and you are Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hi, Joel. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And you're going to bind on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. I'm going to loose on earth, and it'll be loose in heaven. Now, this is the first scripture in Bible, hermeneutically, which is the interpretation of the Bible. Gives you two scriptures, the first mentioned principle, where the church and the kingdom are attached. It's the first time in the Bible. The church and the kingdom are attached. You see, the kingdom of God is the realm of God. And he, he owns it all. Right. Okay, his realm is over everything, over every vocation, over everything. It's not just the church. He doesn't just run the church. He runs the whole world, the whole universe. And so what happens is when, you're, when you come to salvation, you're born into the, into the kingdom, but then you add yourself to the church. You have to be in a, in a local community. Because the local community is the ecclesia, the called out ones that are, that are asked by God to bind and loose. My statement is this. If you are not in a church, how in the world can you bind and loose? Wow. It puts us in there. It says the kingdom and the church. And so here we are today, the ecclesia here at Ocean's Church. Everybody has to identify with the local church. That's how God saved the world in the beginning. Noah and his wife and three sons and three wives, they identified as a family. They got in the ark. The ark is the representation of the local church in the last day. It is a signpost. If you want to, you better be in the place of God's salvation in order to be saved in the last day. So I know a lot of people who are, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't really believe in that stuff. Uh, there's, there's good books out there that said, there's no way you can be born and be in the kingdom and not be in the house or the church, or the ecclesia. You have to be a part. You have to be in a family to grow. Now, I don't want to get into that. I have a whole message on that, okay? So what happens is we actually build the church and we extend the kingdom. You don't really build the kingdom. The kingdom's already built. We extend the kingdom. We build the church. And this rescue program isn't just about us individuals. It's about a community of believers. He's coming for the church. He didn't say he's coming for individuals. No, he's coming for the church. He says uh, he's going to come back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a victorious church, a beautiful church. And we're all members of that church, members of the body of Christ, members of a family, members of an army. The church is to be the witness of God on the earth, the demonstration of heaven on the earth. We are to lead the world to God. But unfortunately, this has happened. We become too private. And they want us to be that way. Just stay in your church walls. And then they started telling us we couldn't even meet. Then they started telling us we couldn't sing if we did meet. So what they were doing is they were trying to shut us up so we wouldn't declare. Now, praise God for Ocean Church.
We, 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 we shut down just for a few weeks, the very beginning up at our church. But I'm telling you, after that, we just opened up and we let God go. It's amazing what God does when you obey him and not man. So here we are in this place. And now here's my question today. If what we're seeing in culture and in our nation and in, in uh, all these areas around us, what does the church need to do? We need to stand up and believe God for revival. The only thing that's going to change the world is revival. Now, you know what the government does? They just throw money at it. Money changes nothing. What needs to change is hearts. We need a revival that changes hearts. You, You need to so vociferously... Pray for your leaders in California that they would have an encounter with God. They would have a Saul experience on the road to Damascus. And they would begin to see Jesus. That would change things quickly. But what is revival? Now, you might think, man, I know what revival is. Have you ever been in a revival? How many been in a move of God that just really, it shocked you, moved you? Anybody? A few. I tell you, we need some more. About every 20, 25 years, God begins to move. Yeah. And I'll tell you about some in just a minute. I want, to, I want to tell you what a revival is. The Old Testament is very clear what a revival is. There is more statements about revival in the Old Testament than you can imagine. Right. Habakkuk 3 is a good example. I'm going to read part of it, but you can read the whole chapter at some point. It says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work or give us revival. In the midst of the years, in the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, and then he says, God came. His glory covered the heavens and the earth is full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there was power that was hidden. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed for his ways are everlasting. It goes on. I don't have time to read the whole thing. I'm going to read several scriptures though. So revival is basically this. We see this in Scripture. Revival is essentially a manifestation of God. How many want a manifestation of God? That's what it is. It it has the stamp of deity on it. Even the ungenerate are quick to recognize when God is in it. Revival must of necessity, watch this, make an impact upon the community. If it doesn't, it's just a drip. Revival must impact community. In fact, the God of the Old Testament, the saints and prophets, and all of those in the Old Testament, it, we see was the God of revival. Right. Isaiah 64, 1, one of my favorite scriptures says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens. Oh, I'd love to see that. Rend the heavens. That you would come down. That the mountains might shake at your presence. To make your name known to your adversaries. That the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. True revivals have always been marked by powerful and often widespread outpourings of the Spirit. Acts 10.44, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. He falls. That's, have you ever had anybody fall on you? It's pretty dramatic. I mean, it's pretty, whoa! David Brainerd, who was a missionary to the American Indians in, in 1745, he says, the power of God, he had a revival. The power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly like a rushing mighty wind and with an astonishing energy bore down all before it. 
I could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent. Almost all persons of all ages were bowed down together. Now, as I went through Scripture, I saw that there was a common theme. Revival always kind of said that God used the, the term the latter reign of promise. He called it the latter reign of promise. In Ezekiel 34, 26, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. And with this latter rain, there was always showers. There was always rain. There was always water. God always used the metaphor of water and outpouring for revival. He's, many, many people ask, well, where's the promise of revival? Well, Isaiah 35 is a good way to do it. I mean, there's so many scriptures, but this one says, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall blossom as the rose. Now notice the metaphors of natural, but leading to spiritual. And it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. For strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then, he says, then the eye, this is Bible. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. This is when revival comes. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. Water, 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 outpouring. That's what God, that's a metaphor God uses for revival. Isaiah 44, 3, for I will pour water in him as thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. John 7, 37, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of my, his heart will flow rivers of living water. The principle of revival is this, the personal thirst satisfied by the water of the spirit, which then results in an overflow of blessing. Let it come, Lord. Acts 2.17, prophesying out of Joel 2, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. How much of flesh? All, all flesh. Acts 3.19, Repent therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ. The reason why I'm reading so much of Scripture, that's what bears fruit in your heart. It's the seed of the word. And if you worshiped right, if you, if, you, if you allowed your heart to open up, then this word is going to be planted in you. It's not my words. It's the Holy Spirit's word. Now, here's the order of revival I just read. A repentance and turning to God, which then leads to seasons of refreshing from his presence, which then leads to return, the return of Christ. The promise of revival is seasons of refreshing before Jesus Christ comes. We need seasons of refreshing. This land, America, needs refreshing. In Joel 2, when the people responded to the call of the Lord and returned to him with all their heart, this is what God would do. Now, we don't always understand these agrarian terms of the Bible, with agriculture terms, because we're not, not, not many of us. Any farmers here? I don't see. Oh, we got one. Praise God. Okay. We don't have many farmers anymore, so they don't understand the terminology of Scripture. But you, you have to translate it into what your vocation is right now. He says, when, God, when you return to God with your heart, then God will bless the land by restoring the former rain and the latter rain, that the floor shall be full of wheat, the fat shall overflow with wine and oil, and they would know that the Lord was in the midst of them. That's what scripture says. 
the restoration of the rain and of the outpouring of the Spirit, which was to follow in Joel 2, came within the space of six verses, which ties them together, meaning that the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit and the promise of the former and latter rain must both be taken literally. In other words, special seasons of rain to which the Jewish farmer looked in order to obtain the maximum for fertility from the soil, they are to be restored in full measure as it was in the beginning. And then afterward, after the latter rain in the natural, these natural blessings are to be followed by their spiritual counterpart, an outpouring of the Spirit upon all flesh. There would be a rain from heaven spiritually. So there would be the return of the former and latter rain, bringing abundant blessing to be followed by a glorious latter rain of the Spirit. Now I'm telling you right now, prophets are saying that right now. They're saying 2022, we're going to see some start of this amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says this. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 66, 8, which I find interesting, and I think this is going to happen this year. Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? I believe, I'm prophesying, that there would be one day this year that's going to turn everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the natural. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about the church. Come on, people. I'm calling you up higher. We are, I'll just say this because I've been in the church a long time and we're too dumbed down in the church. We expect little and we just kind of make excuses for God because something didn't happen. No, let's start believing. Let's start having faith. Let's start praying. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 11, there's another great scripture revival, but the land which you cross over to possess is the land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. And the eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Here's how I would apply it to you. The eyes of God are on California from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And you as God's children, as God's part of the ecclesia, you've got to start calling God into this. You see, that's why you sang that song. To the north, to the south, to the east and west. We've said that statement for 30-some years. We, we turn to the north and we say, give up the people of God. Give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. Then we'll turn to the south. Give up the people of God. Give up the heirs of salvation. Let them go in Jesus' name. You are declaring you're calling them forth. You, we are much too passive got to get assertive with the devil. Please, devil, would you please leave now? No, bind him. Loose, and, you know, loose the power of God. Jesus, Jesus. It doesn't start, it doesn't stop there. Let me finish this, this verse. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, your oil. The latter rain, I don't have time to get into the former and latter rain, but they were at specific seasons in time. The latter rain was given to swell the ground and fruit in preparation for the time of reaping. It was the rain of ingathering. It was called Gisham. 
Geshem means in Hebrew, gushing rain. When, when talking about both the former and latter rain. And spiritually, before this age concludes with the personal return of Christ, the promise of revival will be preceded by the former and latter rain. It will come. We must expect that. The Geshem of God, the rain of ingathering. We should see a season of mighty outpourings, eclipsing all that the church has experienced in past days. The Bible actually says that. So we got to be patient, but we got to call it into being. James 5, 7 says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. So near the end of the age, we're going to see this outpouring. Zechariah 10.1 says it this way. Ask the Lord for rain. When do you do that? It says, in the time of the latter rain. So we need to be discerners of where we're at. I believe we are in latter rain times. God is wanting to water the spiritual ground to get it ready for the great harvest. And that's why it's very frustrating for us, to be honest with you. The Bible says the wheat and tares will grow together. And when you grow together with tares, it's not, it's not always fun. But when God comes, I'm telling you, God's going to show himself powerful. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's going to happen. So with this, with this context of rain and outpouring, about a week or two ago, is that what time it is? Bear with me, okay? About a week, maybe two weeks ago now. I was, I was reading an article, and the article said that uh, uh, in the Northwest, which is Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, we had had the most rain, uh, and the most, it was the, the dampest, wettest spring since 1948. So I, I read this. It just, just happened. And it's been raining almost ever since, which is very unusual for Idaho. And so... I was, you know, pondering all this. Then last Sunday comes. Now, you have to understand, last Sunday was our 39th anniversary in our church. 39 years. And, uh, you know, Connie and I are so grateful to God for all that he's done in 39 years. We, we actually uh, turned over our church to Chris, our son Chris and Kelly, um, who have seven children. Three sets of twins. I, some of you don't know the story, I guess. They adopted two, two boys, twins, adopted the full sibling sister 11 years ago. Seven years goes by, twin boys. Another year goes by, twin boy and girl. They have seven children. The four little ones are like quadruplets, about the same size, and they're just, I hear them every morning, and they're going out to, to class or to their little school. They trump down one at a time. I can tell who's going first, second. I know, I know their order. It's really fascinating. It's, it's King, it's Press, it's Wavy, and then it's Riley. It's in their order of their birth. They just go right out the door. Oh, there they go. Because they live with us. They've been living us with us for, for several months while they're getting their house. And so, anyway, I, I say all that to say that, that uh, in, this, in this context of of revival as we turned over the church uh, to Chris and Kelly. We sent Mark and Rochelle out here. We believed that something was going to happen in Boise and something was going to happen in California. Now, you are, 
you were here as God's representative uh, here. Now, now let, let me tell you the rest of the story. So last Sunday, we're having our 40 or 39th anniversary. Benny Perez is there. You know Benny. Wild Benny. And so after the first, we did a great job first in, in the morning with our services. So we go out to lunch, and then we go out and take a, take a drive, and we're driving, and the clouds are real dark, and, and uh, he says, well, what's rain like here in, in Idaho? No, no sooner had he finished that statement, then boom, the rain hit our windshield. He says, boy, those are big drops. And see, he comes from Washington, northern Washington, where it just drizzles all year long. I know, I've lived up there. It drizzles, but in Idaho, it pours. And within minutes, it was a deluge that I don't think I've ever seen in Idaho. It was pouring out like crazy. This is on Sunday, last Sunday. And so we were, we were just in this context, like, oh, whoa. And we could hardly see as we were driving, and it was a, we were going through flood water almost. And uh, then we got back home, dropped Benny off, got back home. I, then I got a text saying that, and, and showed me a picture. The picture was of our church with a double rainbow right over it. Wow. I'm going, oh, rainbow is a promise. Yes. Promise of revival. Yes. Just come on, stay up yes. with me. So I'm going, whoa, something's happening here. So I get up that night. I'm, I'm kind of introducing and, and doing some things in the evening services. Benny was going to preach. Benny never got to preach. Wow. And uh, what happened was this. Uh, Chris, our son, got up to introduce him and went off for 45 minutes prophetically in preaching, right. which he doesn't do. Yes. He's a teacher, he's, yes. but he started preaching and prophesying. It was, it was very unusual, very, God, yes. very God-filled. It was amazing. So Benny spent the time praying over people. But when I, was, I got up to say a few things, and I, I told him about that I've been studying this, and I said, isn't it not interesting that the day there was an outpouring of, of water? Yes. And then as I'm up there, the Lord says, remember 1948? Remember, I, I told you, the article said, since 1948. Well, 1948 was the outpouring of the Latter Rain movement. It was the Latter Rain revival that started in North Battleford, Saskatchewan, and then came down in, in, into America, Midwest, and then down the West Coast. You had, you had churches here in California. They were friends of mine. The pastors were friends of mine all dotted down the coastline, the I-5 corridor, yes. who all were recipients of the latter rain movement wow. and God's move of the Spirit yes. down there. And so I, I, I said that. I said, 1948, that was the time of the latter rain movement. Wow. And then I began to realize, because I went back and studied all this, the things that, that we practice today, right. it came out of the latter rain movement. Right. Yes. Praise and worship, laying out of hands, prophecy. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, like we talk about, all, all these different things. And I'm going, that's us! That's us! And I, I began to realize the roots that came down into Detroit, where Kristen's family were, over, over to Vancouver, B.C., down the corridor. Dick Iverson, who was my pastor, was a recipient of that. In fact, his wife, Edie, actually was at the Bible College in North Battleford, where the latter rain movement broke out. And so I began to realize all this and, and what, what we were experiencing. And, and then I, I began to realize that, man, that's us. Yes. And then I began to realize, well, that's Mark and Rochelle too. Oh, yes. 
So I called Rochelle. I told her about all this and, and more things. I said, you know, that, that's your roots. That's who you are. And uh, I began to, began to comp- just kind of, you know, meditate on all this and realize what's going on. Here's Rochelle and Mark coming together. I don't know if you know it. Mark comes from grandparents who were in Amy Simple McPherson's church, which is Angelus Temple. So they were the Azusa Street, which I'm not going to get. I hope you understand. I can't give you everything today. But Azusa Street, Lateran Movement coming together. Man, I think you better watch out because you're going to have some things happen. Because, you see, every church, every church has a DNA. When you touch, and I don't have time, I, have, I do a whole teaching on, on what happens when you become a part of the body of Christ in a certain locale with the ecclesia, etc., the ecclesia. So I want, you to, I want you to be aware of what I'm saying today. God is up to something. I remember my heroes. My heroes were, were those that mentored me, and they were all up and down the I-5 corridor. David Schock, George Evans, Leonard Fox. The list goes on. It's all falling apart here. Thank you. And so, um, I remember I was, we were in, is it okay if I go over a few minutes? Because I have one minute left. I can't do it in one minute. I remember being in Washington, D.C., uh, April, the middle of April, 1980. One million Christians showed up on the mall. It's called Washington for Jesus. Marilyn, were you there? No, you weren't there. Okay. We were in Washington, D.C., 1980. And the place, it was, uh, um, it was raining. It was stormy. I, I'll never forget this. My friend, David Schock, who actually prophesied the Berlin Wall down a month before it came down. He was up on the platform. He stretched his hands forth. And he was one of the most powerful prophets I've ever known. He, he was a real influence on my life and our church. And he spoke to the weather. He told the weather to stop. I'd never heard anybody do that before. And I, I had my hand, and Connie will verify this. We had our hands in the air. We were agreeing with him. All of a sudden, my eyes were closed. All of a sudden, I felt heat on my hand. I looked up. The sun was out. Wow. The whole day, all around the mall was cloudy, but it never, it never rained at all over the mall. Wow. Now, that's the power of the prophetic and I'm telling you today, I think God wants to return us to the supernatural. Because the purpose of revival, the purpose of revival, because God always, has always moved through revival. He accomplishes two things this way. He, 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 a revival counteracts spiritual decline. He works in times and seasons to stop the spiritual decline. That here's a good definition of revival. It's the inrush of the spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. Number two, it, it creates spiritual momentum. It causes breakthrough where everything was static. And in response to the prayers of heaven, he begins to pour out the blessings so much that it's waters we, we swim in. Because that's what the Bible, the outpouring of the Spirit is, is a metaphor of rain and showers of blessing. So we can understand that. God accomplishes in days what could never otherwise be achieved in years of normal Christian activity. It is in the times of spiritual revival that most of the forward movements of the church have occurred. The primary effect of revival is this. The church awakens, casts off the works of darkness that has blanketed all of us in slumber, 
and she puts on the armor of life. And during times of revival, this is why I'm so excited about it, God removes the initiative from Satan. Sin no longer stalks the land in triumph, but hides its head in shame. And it's, it's not unusual for social evils to be swept away when revival comes. Every, every part of society will be affected. And the widespread indifference of the masses will be a thing of the past. Shouldn't we be thirsting for a revival? Now let me just close. I want to give you just a couple... Uh, we should be thirsting for revival because uh, in, in this way, the Bible talks about um, getting us out of Egypt. God never wanted us in Egypt. He says, you can, you can get us out of Egypt, but, but, but you can't get Egypt out of us. And so I, I, I started studying this, and I, I saw that the seasons of refreshing actually come from the presence of the Lord, not from Egypt. Egypt had a, a, a way of watering their fields. Egypt watered their fields with a simple device which was worked by the foot. And therefore the supply of water was dependent upon human ingenuity and human energy. But the church is to be a land that drinks water of the rain of heaven. It was designed to be dependent upon the heavens for water. It was one thing to get the people out of Egypt. It's another thing to get Egypt out of the people. We need a heaven sent revival. So we need, let me give you just two things. I've got to close. Two things. Jonathan Edwards, and you've probably heard of this revival in 1741 in New England. It was said that the assembly appeared bowed with an awful conviction of their sin and danger. There was such a breathing of distress and weeping. Many of the hearers were seen unconsciously holding themselves up against the pillars and the sides of the pews as though they already had already felt themselves sliding into the pit of hell. Now, you have to understand, Jonathan Edwards was the most boring preacher ever. He was monotone. And he's just, and he would just read his message, but they felt the, the, the move of God. In, in Coleraine, Ireland, a little boy was so troubled about his soul at school that, that uh, the schoolmaster sent him home. An older boy, a Christian, accompanied him. Before they had gone very far, he led him to Christ. Returning it to the school, he said, oh, I'm so happy. I have the Lord in my heart. Then boy after boy rose and silently left the room. The master found these boys ranged alongside the wall of the playground, apart and on their knees, wailing. Their silent prayer and bitter cry was heard by all those in the school. Their cry for mercy was heard in the girls' schoolroom. In a few moments, the whole school, even the girls, were, were out on their knees. The wail of distress was heard in all the street and the community around. Now, this is the last one, the 1858 American Revival. This is, this is incredible. I have documented all this. A ships as they drew near the American ports in 1858 would come within a definite zone of heavenly influence. Ship after ship arrived with the same tale of sudden conviction and conversion. In one ship, a captain and the entire crew of 30 men found Christ out at sea and entered the harbor rejoicing. Revival broke out on the battleship North Carolina through four Christian men who had been meeting in the bowels of the ship for prayer. One evening they were filled with the Spirit and burst into song. Their shipmates were gripped by the power of God, and then the entire ship was turned into a revival center. Now, this overwhelming sense of God, which brings deep conviction of sin, is the outstanding feature of true revival. We need it again in America. We need it in California. 
So I challenge you. You can't just cheer. You got to do something about it. You, you have prayer here at, at Ocean Church. You have lighthouses. How many of you are invite, involved in the lighthouse ministry? Okay, you need to understand what's going on with prayer. We need to up prayer. I'm telling you that if every member of the church would involve themselves in some measure of prayer, God would move instantly. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is a difference between personal prayer and corporate prayer. When we get in corporate prayer, watch out. Because what we're doing is corporately, we're calling heaven down and we're binding hell. And so it's a corporate agreement that that I believe, because I believe prayer or worship is much the same way. When we worship together, something happens in the heavenlies. The Bible said the presence of God comes down, and then we form clouds. What do clouds do? Rain. What does rain do? It brings the harvest. And I close. The anointing was a desired experience where it was born out of soul thirst. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Thirst is a more intense desire than hunger. And with the spirit thirst is the word that God uses to illustrate the desire that should characterize all of us. We should be thirsty. Thirsty for God. Lord, cause us to drink. My question, are you thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I, 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 I have to close with this. The two things that changed me in my life was worship and the Holy Spirit. Yes. 1973, I walk into a church, I hear praise and worship like I've never heard before, because before that time, we'd sang hymns. Right. Yes. All of a sudden, the power of the Holy Spirit began to emanate through praise and worship, yes. contemporary worship. Right. You guys think it's normal. Yes. Wasn't back then. And I came in there in the power of God like it was the sound of many waters. I hit my knees and began to cry out to God, began to change me. The second thing was this, was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1973 under the ministry of George Evans and uh, how that changed my life. Basically, the Holy Spirit changed me completely and totally. My thirst was, was satisfied in a sense. And all of a sudden, I, I actually had a new passion. I, I read the word because I was, I was in a PK home. I was a pastor's kid. So all my life, I, I knew the Bible stories. But I didn't, I didn't understand the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit or everything he was talking about. All of a sudden, the word came alive. All of a sudden, passion came. All of a sudden, I wanted to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every, every creature because Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Can I tell you? You've got to start being more aware of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that birthed the church. Jesus Christ, you know, do you know, man, I'm sorry, I keep going. Do you know why Jesus, Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again? So he could introduce you to the Holy Spirit. The other things too. But he, he had to leave so the Holy Spirit could come. And he knew that was important for us. So, one of the main reasons why that we celebrated Easter a few weeks ago was so that he could come and introduce us to the Holy Spirit. I'm here to say today, please get to know the Holy Spirit. 
Be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit. I hear last Sunday you had an amazing service where the Holy Spirit began to pop, pour out. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need more revival. We need more outpourings. We need more of the reign of heaven. We need the former and the latter reign. Let it happen in Orange County. Let it happen at Ocean's Church. Lord Jesus, we cry out to you now. We ask, Holy Spirit, you come down. We, you come down, oh God. We speak to the north. We speak to the south. We speak to the east. We speak to the west. That you would come in to the house of God. We speak to the souls being restricted by the enemy. And we bind the enemy right now. And we loose the spirit of God. That you would come and begin to move in an outpouring way in Ocean's Church. Begin to fall upon us, Lord, as times pass. Let us represent you in this day and age. Let the culture begin to represent Jesus Christ. Let our hearts be melted before you. Let the presence of Jesus come. We thank you, Lord. And we're just believing that in Orange County, people, I just see this. Ah, I see it. I see it. I see people coming into Orange County not knowing that it's Orange County and all of a sudden everything changes in their heart. They cross the boundary into Orange County. Lord, we, we claim Orange County for your kingdom. Lord, from the east to the south, to the north, to the east, the west, all of it, Lord. We claim all of it, every part of this county. Let it be to the glory of God. Let the rain come. Let the crops grow. Let the outpouring of the Spirit come to the churches. Lord, we're praying right now for the former and latter rain. More, Lord. Just say more, Lord. More, Lord. More of you. More of outpouring. More rain. More showers of blessing. More Gisham. The gusts of heaven. Let it happen in our lives, Lord. We're praying in Jesus' name. Jesus. Lord, pour out to our families. Pour out to our neighborhoods. Pour out to our cities. Pour out to our leaders, Lord. Let God arise and let all of his enemies be scattered in the name of Jesus. We release it. We release it. We release it in Jesus' name. That the power of your presence may be upon us. Put your hand in your heart. Lord, we just, we just received the anointing today. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, just ask him right now. We receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. Lord, baptize us. Anoint us. Give us a, 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 a brand new expression of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're praying right now for your power to emanate through us. That we can testify to the goodness of God. That we will occupy till you come. That we can truly be heaven and earth to the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now just seal this word to our hearts. Let it not be plucked away by the birds of the air. Let there be a new passion for revival, a new passion for your presence, a new passion to know you, a new passion for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Now just one question with your heads bowed. Anybody here this morning, this afternoon now, not know Jesus, maybe you walked away, maybe you just never asked him in your life, or you've, he's not maybe the captain of your ship today. He's not in charge, and you want to make him in charge today. 
on the count of three, if that's you, just lift your hand. I just want to pray for you. Don't want to do it. Just want to pray for you. One, two, three. Anybody like that? Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand all across you. All across you. Okay? All right. Let's, let's pray this welcoming prayer. Dear Father, I welcome you into my heart. I ask that you come in and make your home in my heart. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you're the Lord and Savior of my life. Make me brand new. Cleanse me by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now give a clap as if you really mean it. Give a praise to Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.